Welcome to Tenet Men. Welcome to Tenet Men. I'm your host, Steve, and I am joined by Kevin, and together we are doing a complete and methodical review of the Christopher Nolan 2020 epic high-concept time travel film, Tenet. We are doing a minute-by-minute analysis of the film by conducting our own temporal pincer movement. I am on the red team moving forward through the film. Kevin is on the blue team moving invertedly through the film. How are you, Kevin? I I think I made a promise on the last podcast that I'd get to the bottom of something. And I, I'm circling the drain, but I'm not at the bottom of anything in regards to how the mechanics of this film work. Uh, but we'll get to it in, when I, it's my turn. Are you, are you just, are you like letting us know early that you're breaking your promise? Uh, there's, uh, yeah, we'll get to it. I just, I'm not breaking my promise. <laughs> I got to the most bottom you can get to. You can't get to the bottom of anything I've, in this film, I've discovered. It's, there's... It's just an endless pit of, um, uh, but wait, what if it's, you know, I I don't even know what to call it. (laughs) A broken pit of unfulfillable promises. Yeah. (laughs) That should have been the title of this podcast. Yeah. And as we, as I've said many times, this film is not meant to be watched the way we're watching it, where you're dissecting every little bit. You're just supposed to enjoy the ride and not question everything. unfulfillable promises i think that's the name of our next show uh (laughs) all right well let's jump into it um yeah let's just get right to it i'm on the red team i'm traveling forward through the film i'm at minute marker 24 21 through 25 21 last week we finished our conversation with priya and then we uh had just reached this like harvard club or it's not harvard because we're in london so it's going to be the uh, it's the members only club it's, the, it's no well okay yeah you did say in the script in the script it's the members club it's the members club yeah this is <laughs> which is the most fake name for a club of like 10 yeah, year olds if, like, <laughs> if you've ever been to like any kind of like wealth club at all this place just screams scream like i've i visited the harvard club one time in new york as part of like a work trip and mm-hmm. uh, this place reminds me of that. Uh, yeah. there's, there's a place right next to my building in Seattle that is like the fancy, the fancy club. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Old brick building, you know, guys with white gloves opening the door for you. Yeah. A uh, little, little bit, a little bit of country club feel as exactly. well. Elite, elite, yeah. elitist. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to get, I'm going to get into that. Some, I'm going to get into some of that here too. Yeah, the so. better people, the better class. <laughs> yeah. The better class. <laughs> All right. So, uh, 24, 21, we left off with, if you'll follow me, the host is, uh, <laughs> directing our protagonist, AKA Mr. Crosby's lunch. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the name of the podcast. <laughs> Mr. Crosby's lunch. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you'll follow me. So the pro- protagonist approaches a table. We see a baldish, white-haired man from from behind sitting at the table, uh, and that person speaks. Started without you. Hope you don't mind. Uh, and then he says, "I'll catch up." Protagonist says, "I'll catch up." Before he sits down, 
then he looks to the host and he says, same for me, please. You know, <laughs> yeah, referring yeah. to the, we got, we get, we don't got time. This script got to move. <laughs> I love, I actually love this little back and forth. And I think I criticized the back and forth last week a little bit, but I like this, you know, same for me to the host. And then the host in like perfect, perfect dialogue. I'll send the waiter which is exactly what a host would say. Yeah. That's not my job. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> You're not a member. <laughs> but even more so, but even better is the response. And yeah. he says, no, just pass on the order. And he gives him this like super pretentious look. And then I'm, and I see that look on his face and I'm like, oh, you know what? I think last week it felt like he didn't quite fit in here, but the look he gives the host, it's like, oh, sh- yeah, he fits in here. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's using his own style to fit in. It's more about attitude. Um, oh. that it is about knowing all the protocols. Uh, it's it's the it, it's the dominance, right? It's like no, <laughs> do as I said. Yeah, uh, I've seen also, that. This, <laughs> this is, I think, good script writing because there's a mechanic that's a problem in the script is that all these conversations need to move super quick. So there's no time to ha- to do all the protocols of sitting down at a table and help looking at a menu or anything. So they make a joke out of it. And there's usually one good joke in a Christopher Nolan movie and about two or three that don't kind of work. And I, I think this is the, um, the, the one that works in this film. I think so. Right. I think it, yeah. it's yeah. to your point. It does move very, very fast. But there is like a subtle realism, like, you know, funniness to it. So I like it. I like this whole little back it, and forth. Yeah. In the mechanics of the story, it all makes sense why the. Why, why all this happened so quickly. Yes. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Very pretentious look. Uh, and then he goes to sit down. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Sir Michael, Michael Crosby, not Sir Michael Caine, but really the same person. Uh, I think Michael Caine is just playing himself here. I gather you have an interest in a certain Russian national, Anglo-Russian uh, so I have to watch my step, the protagonist says, as he puts on his uh, his napkin, you know, following <laughs> following good manners and etiquette at the, the members-only club. Um, Sir Michael responds, indeed, he's tapped into the intelligence services. I've warned them he's feeding them rubbish, but they don't seem to care. That's an interesting line here, right? So just taking yeah. a step back for a second. So they're talking about Seder. Uh, Crosby says that, hey, this guy's working with British intelligence. Um, he's feeding them garbage, but they don't seem to care. What do you think that like, that's where I feel like this is referring to something. Intelligence that... people will consume anything you give them from my work. And I've worked with intelligence people and they're not that bright. They're, <laughs> they're the, they're the brightest person you've ever met at an undergraduate college, basically <laughs> uh, a public one at that. Um, and, and there's, there's reasons too, because even bad information is worth it because if somebody's lying to you and you can document their lies, then that is valuable information. So intelligence people do maintain relationships with people who are feeding them crap. This Uh, sounds like middle management, actually. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah, it's, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you got it. It's all, it's all a game. You got to document the lies so that you can get that person fired later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, <laughs> way to just tear down our intelligence service in a matter of <laughs> seconds. Anyway, but like I, I still think that there were, he's referring to something 
that's not garbage, right? Like, yeah. Why? Okay, so why is British intelligence working with Sater? Well, he's an oligarch. New money on the outs with Kremlin. Have we gotten to that part yet? That was mentioned with uh, with Priya. Okay, yeah, he's on the outs with the Kremlin, um, which usually means they're not going to last long. This was pre, <laughs> but um, he's new money because he only became wealthy recently, fairly recently, right? In like yeah. the last couple decades. And these Anglo-Russian, I think that's I think that's just to explain why Kenneth Branagh is playing a Russian, right? You know, that's an, also an interesting comment, Anglo-Russian. Um, but there's no such thing as an ethnic Russian. Well, there are. No, there are, right? There certainly are. Yeah, there are many ethnicities in Russia. Maybe I'm right. careful here. Um, but maybe it's just referring to the fact that he's married to an English, British yeah. English okay. woman. I don't know. It's all, that, That's also an interesting comment. But yeah, uh, Michael Crosby says, I've warned them that they're... He's feeding them rubbish. They don't seem to care. So they're interested in talking to this guy. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe we don't know. Maybe you listeners know. Let us know what you know that they don't know that we know. Um, <laughs> that was a lot of rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> so then the protagonist says, tell me about him. Uh, I'm, Sir Michael responds, I assume you're familiar with the Soviet era secret cities. Uh, closed cities not shown on maps built around sensitive industries. Yep, that's the one. Most of them have been opened and renamed as regular towns. Not the one Seder grew up in, says Sir Michael. Um, We're almost at the end of my minute, by the way. This is a really really quick uh, dialogue-heavy minute here. Uh, Stalsk 12, so the first time we hear Stalsk 12, comes from uh, Sir Michael Crosby. In the 70s, it had a population of about 200,000, thought to be abandoned, and then the protagonist says abandoned as a question. <laughs> uh, some kind of accident after which it was used for underground tests. Two weeks ago, same day as the Kiev opera siege, which is interesting because Sir Michael knows, not only knows about the Kiev opera siege, but knows that the protagonist was involved. Uh, I don't know if that's a big two. assumption or a small assumption. Okay, well, this is the first time check. He, so that means two weeks. He spent two weeks in that. It yeah, is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's been, he's been, yeah. It took That's two pretty weeks. Pretty quick to get over that, uh, um, the mouth surgery. <laughs> yeah. Fake suicide pill and, and mouth surgery. Yeah. He reconstructed. He looks great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, he did all those sit ups in the windmill. So he's good now. Yeah. Um, so two weeks ago, same day as the Kiev opera siege, we spotted a detonation in northern Siberia, just where Stalsk 12, 12 was. And that's it. That's the end of my minute. Oh, that's it? Okay. Good night. Cliffhanger. I got to look into these uh, secret cities from the Soviet era. Like, that's 200,000 people. That's that's a hell of a secret. Yeah, that's, uh, not, a, that's <laughs> not an easily kept secret, right? Yeah, well, maybe not nowadays, but maybe back in the day before social media. Yeah, and now you just have Google Maps and idiots on Twitter like, "Hey, look at me broadcasting live from my secret city in the Soviet (laughs) Union." Your boy Stalask Twelve here. (laughs) St Twelve. Oh God, we're some of those people now. (laughs) Yes, we are. Anyway, I think the my biggest question in this whole minute is still more around uh, Michael Caine's characters talking about how Sater is tapped into the British intelligence service. He's warned them that he's feeding them rubbish, but they don't seem to care. Like, 
I, I, mm. I want more explanation from that dialogue. I feel like there's there's a reason Christopher Nolan wrote that dialogue, had Michael Crosby say it to the protagonist, and I don't quite know what it is, and I want I want to know what it is. Just looking at the way the minutes line up, we've kind of pointed out that bombs have gone off in your minute and my minute as like two ends of the tenant palindrome. Um, there is a theory out there that this is old man Ives just circling around the time stream coming back. To yeah. Be a part of this um, seen a, a temporal pincer. I've seen that. I don't know. Yeah. These theories get a little ridiculous. I'm not sure I buy that one. The, the theories, much like anything you actually try to analyze, is just going to keep going around and around and around. So it's it's both possible and impossible at the same time. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and say it's impossible. You know why? Okay, I'll I'll take possible because why the fuck not? Yeah. <laughs> like might as well just, well just discover both ends of the spectrum. I'm going to put a kibosh on the Neil Max thing once and for all. Also here, um, like if you are, I'll take the opposite end of that too. Okay, <laughs> if, you're, if you're a normie, right? Uh, going through time like a normal person, uh, you are aging like a normal person, right? If you are inverted, then you are aging in reverse. Uh, uh, That's been a question we've struggled with. Um, Unconfirmed, really. I think you are aging in reverse. Hmm. So by... That logic, if you and age, that logic, Neil could never come back to a point where he was a child. Exactly right. Yeah. Well, you no, you you just you can't appear at a different age at the same point in time. Mm-hmm. If you do age in reverse, when while inverted, you can never be like older or younger in the same period of time. You're always the same age at a given point in time. Oh wait, you're yeah. always the same age, even if like if so, if you invert yourself and you go back a year. You're not a year older. You're exactly how old you were at that time. It's it could be used as a fountain of youth if you look at it that way. It could, yeah. You could just live forever if you keep going backwards. Sounds terrible. Which <laughs> which would actually spoil the movie because then then yeah. uh well, yeah. Until the it, point in which you get inadvertently shot. Uh, by by your yeah, by your wife. Yeah. <laughs> that no. is the end of us all. <laughs> all right. Um. Anyway, that's it. That's my minute. Blue team, okay. you're up. Ah, speaking of blue team, we're up. Uh, we're we're uh, we're in the tail end of the briefing. All right. Okay. And the thing I promise to get to the bottom of is whether the red team watches are counting up, and the blue team watches are counting down, or vice right. versa. And I just got into one of those things where it's it says it in the script, but then even. If I explain that to you, I then have to explain so much more because I went to go watch the scene and I was like, okay, I'm looking at Neil's watch. It says this, but it's counting down, but the camera's inverted. So is it, but also the watch is inverted. Does the watch start going a different direction when it goes through an inversion? Or is this a special watch that knows it was inverted and it's going to go in a certain direction so that everybody's on the same page? What is what, <laughs> what do the clocks show us from the camera's perspective? They both show non-inverted counting down okay. from 10 to 0. That's fine. And That's- also, but Neil's also starting at the end. So it makes sense if his watch says 10 and the protagonist's watch says 10. But those two events are not occurring at the same time. Right. Uh, so that's where that's where the drain I circled 
uh, trying to answer that question. And it's in the script. It's in my uh, the spoiler for next week. The blue team has a briefing in the script. Okay. So that's that will I'll, I'll and but that technically that's in my previous minute when I talk about the red team briefing. I'll talk about the blue team briefing. But this is the tail end. Uh, so uh, just to set this up, just before this, Ives and the protagonists were already talking. Um. Uh, the protagonist came up to Ives after his briefing and he was saying, Hey, I wanted to be, you know, on the first wave. Um, and he's like, you're, you're an idiot. That's not how mm-hmm. temporal pinches work. <laughs> yeah. right. I'm, I'm paraphrasing because the conversation was in my last minute, my, is in my future minute. Um, reading the script backwards is really getting to me. Uh, so we start off with the line. You Are wanted you okay? to, Are you okay? You don't look no. okay. <laughs> The script starts off in my minute at one hour, 59 minutes, 21 seconds. I'm saying you wanted to be on the team that lifts the contents of the capsule. Protagonist says, absolutely. I says, that's us. We're the splinter group. Protagonist goes, just us. Ives goes, no one who knows the contents of the capsule can leave the field. I thought we'd manage ourselves very ominous line too yeah like oh, alluding to like we'll have to manage ourselves like we're gonna have to die <laughs> we're yeah <laughs> or there's only one left or you and me both the plan is always we're gonna split up the split up the loot and part ways and then hunt, and then hunt each other to death <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which sounds like a great miniseries if they wanted to <laughs> yeah like I want to see this come on to like Disney Plus after Obi Wan finishes out. Uh, we'll call, I think it's we'll called called Ives. But wouldn't it be? Like, it would be HBO, and maybe his brother would do it, like Westworld. Whatever. I just yeah. want to. I want it to be called Ives. <laughs> Ives and the protagonist. No, just just Ives. You I know, the to... protagonist has the advantage because he's like, you know, you have an actual name. I can like Google search you. <laughs> Good luck finding me. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. All right, and then we jump out of that scene, and we head over um, uh, to uh, Vietnam with Mahir and Kat in the boat. And she's gearing up. She's putting the pistol in the dive bag, throwing it on her ankle. Uh, Mahir says, "It's a forty foot from. It's a forty. Uh, it's forty feet from the private deck to the water. Can you jump it?" And Kat says confidently, "I can dive it." And then he hands her the flare gun or no, he shows her the flare gun. And he says, until you see my signal, you don't let him die. Which just sets up that she can't kill him right away because they have to have a conversation. Um, Is 40 feet a really big jump from a not really a dive, not really a dive person. I don't know. Sounds like it would hurt if you were didn't know what you were doing. Does. Not really a not really a stunt man in my older days. I don't like doing any of that stuff. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, we can't the 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 theory being that we can't kill Seder until we get the the MacGuffin because he's a, a dead man switch, right? If he dies, then that activates the algorithm. I, I know we know, we, we, know what, we know that's not true. We've debated this. Yeah, there's a dead man switch, but he's gonna kill himself anyway. But she kills him anyway. I think the the thing is that if they kill him, 
too early, the people in Stalask will be informed of that and know the jig is up and move the contents. But then if Sater's dead, the hell does it matter? I, yeah, I, I, I question if that dead man's what that dead man switch really does, because I don't think you can trigger the algorithm. If you could trigger the algorithm, why doesn't he just do it? Because he's burying the algorithm. That's the whole point of this operation. He's burying it so future people can get it and they can trigger it, but he's not triggering it. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. We've, I, yeah. I, we've, we've talked about this before. I don't think we quite understand the dead man switch. I think she could just kill him. I really do. I think that that mechanism is just put in place in the movie. So we have a conversation between the two. That's possible. And there's some tension there. And within that conversation, he also has a conversation with the protagonist. So he finds out, he finds out, Oh, you're, yeah, I know. I see you're trying to do a temporal pincer over there and he's like playing with them. It's not going to work. So if he could trigger the algorithm and he could do it just then, it's just, she could have just shot him. Yeah. She could have just shot him. Maybe. Because he finds out, even though he still thinks he's going to win, he finds out they're trying to steal it. Well, you got to assume like he's also done a temporal pincer movement on their temporal pincer, right? Yeah. That's kind of my assumption. Like both, like both factions here have people inverted and people that are normal. But it still has to all happen at the same time. It does. It's basically he's that's just, like it's he's the just last, confident. He's confident he's going to win. The last team to be inverted is the team that wins, which is why Neil goes back, inverts himself, and our team, the protagonist team, wins. But it's also already happened. What's happens happens. Uh, see, we're <laughs> circling the drain again. This movie was not. We were not meant to be doing this. We're not supposed to be here, down in the depths of this, whatever this is. Uh, also noticing that Nolan likes doing things like likes deep holes in the ground. Cause I was thinking this is a lot like uh, Batman or the, the worst Batman movie. Both. Well, Batman begins has the well that yeah. Bruce Wayne falls into. Um, very, very star Wars. He just people falling down giant holes. He likes depth, right? I mean, in inception, you have the elevator. The bottom floor is, oh, yeah. is the, is the hotel room. Basically, you know, yeah, you fall down into a pit and that's where all the bad stuff. I mean, this is like, why do we fall? This is, this is the hero's journey. It's the hero's journey in a very literal sense. You fall and then you get back up and you get back up. Yeah, we get it. All right. Uh, All right. Uh, You know, who's not a fan of the show? Christopher Nolan. (laughs) (laughs) Like, first, in order to explain this to him, you'd have to first explain what a podcast is. uh, He knows what a podcast is. He doesn't have a phone. He has like a flip phone. Is that true? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. He's he's an old school gent. Yeah. There's actually a lot. That says a lot about a person. And I'm a little envious of that. I I wish I could live in a simpler time, too. Too much going on. Ed Sheeran doesn't even have a flip phone. He has no phone. Hmm. I don't know if you know who that is. Uh, he's a singer or something. Yeah, he's a uh, funny guy. Uh, is he? Oh. He's, a, he's a really interesting guy. I'm not really into his music, but he's a really <laughs> interesting person. Hmm. Anyway, that's a huge tangent. Yeah, uh, where are we? Okay, so uh, that's all my dialogue. And then we see Kat. Um, she does her little manu- move where she's going to jump off the back of the boat and swim onto her yacht and then pretend like she was there the whole time. 
that's it. That's it. That wow. was it. Yeah, pretty pretty quick, but also finding a lot of little hooks and things to get into. Uh, no, again, no answers. More questions. <laughs> what What's interesting uh, in our tenanted analysis here is you are at a point where you are setting up the end of the movie mm-hmm. and I am at a point where I am setting up the beginning of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to, you know, draw conclusions where there really shouldn't be any. Yeah. And again, like I, we're, this is a conversation with Ives who doesn't get a lot of dialogue scenes. It's also your first speaking um, with Mr. Crosby. Um, yeah. This is- so just that, that's why I brought up, maybe these guys are the same guy. Maybe there's some poetry going on here. Um, yeah, then that, that does beg the question, do you age in reverse? I guess maybe you don't. I think it's, I think, I really think he wrote this script and then like, just like we discussed with the, um, grenade sequence where once you start going, okay, but how do we show it? You start going, oh, well, it doesn't make any sense. So we can't show it. (laughs) There's no possible way to film that grenade scene. And mean, have it make logical sense. You just put the pin back in. <laughs> That'd be really tense because you gotta you have to grab the spoon as it's coming back at you too. Is that what it's called? I never knew that. A uh, spool, spoon. I forget. I think we called it a spoon. Okay. Um, yeah, that um, would be very very tense. And you gotta. And so it would look cool, but also it would just be nonsense because <laughs> <laughs> the, the grenade rematerializes and then flies at you. <laughs> Imagine if you weren't ready. <laughs> then what happens? Then yeah, I don't know. It just then, hits you in the, hits you in the head. Yeah, the, the grenade just blew up in your hand and it killed you. Yeah, I don't know. He'll uh, re-blow up. It's inverted. Right. Well, you get sucked into it then, right? Uh, huh. <laughs> it tears a hole in the fabric of time. You become you become like a genie, and the grenade is your lamp. Oh my god. <laughs> All right, folks, on that note, <laughs> thank you for listening uh, to the Tenant Men podcast. This has been episode 25, if you could believe it or not. Uh, if you've enjoyed this program, please take a moment to follow, rate, and review on whatever platform you found us on today. Uh, and rest assured, we will continue our temporal pincer movement of this film next week. And until then, we'll meet you at the beginning. I'll see you at the beginning, friends. <laughs>